welcome to the next episode of Get Schooled by Reeves and Ford, where we discuss all things college admissions. Joel and I have been having conversations about college admissions for years, and now we bring those to you. Our goal is to provide information to you, the listener, about the world of college admissions, the processes involved, and the current issues that are a part of the journey to post-secondary education. I'm Chris Reeves, independent college counselor, and I'm here with Joel Ford, school counselor at Connor High School in Hebron, Kentucky. With us is Mike Piergowski, English teacher at Indian Hill High School in Cincinnati, Ohio, and podcast producer who is living the tennis off-season life as Mr. Ohio State champion tennis coach. Way to go, Good Mike. Job, Mike. Joel, we've got a good episode planned for today, but it's not the episode we originally planned for episode 28. Uh, you know this, but our listeners don't. We had intended to talk about the College Confidence Report from Sally May, but unfortunately, we couldn't get our timing right with, with our guests. So instead, we're going to look at college housing and how it affects the college experience and performance in college. But first, Joel, what do you want to discuss? I already know the answer to this, but I'm just going to ask it this way. What do you want to discuss before we get to that? Well, sir, first off, we are recording on New Year's Day. Uh, so happy New Year to everyone. Um, I'm, I was a little shocked that Mr. Reeves is not dressed in all black uh, this morning because <laughs> of... Um, the Ohio State's tragic loss last night uh, in the Peach Bowl. I'm proud of my team. I I would be proud of CJ. He put yeah. the team on his back last night, but just yeah. couldn't pull it out in the end. Yeah, you know that, that happens. But it it kind of inspired um, today's discussion a little bit. Um, I was I was reading an article last week in one of the local um, local TV stations websites. And it, it almost made me laugh out loud. Um, we're in the middle of bowl season. Um, so, you know, there are 30 some odd bowls every year. Cheese it bowl, that kind the of cheese thing, it right? bowl. The, you know, um, my Hilltoppers are the champions of the RNL Carriers New Orleans Bowl. Good win. Um, I, I don't know if I've expressed this to you. I think the entire bowl system is stupid. Um, <laughs> I, I like. Um, I'm old, so so we call it football championship subdivision now. Back in the day, it was one double A, but they have a tournament. You have X number of teams; those are the only teams they get to play, right? And then you have a champion at the end. Make, makes perfect sense to me. Having the Cheez It Bowl winner and the the Idaho Potato Bowl, where the coach gets dumped with a Gatorade container full of French fries, meaningless. Okay. But then I read this article. It almost makes me want to reconsider. So from WCPO, Cincinnati Sports Commission is exploring the possibility of a new college football bowl game at TQL Stadium. Now, for those who aren't from the area, that's our soccer stadium that that FC Cincinnati plays in. Uh, Seats just under 30,000, I think. Um, Right. It's new. Very nice. Very new. Yeah. So they're conducting a feasibility study for the Cincinnati Chili Bowl. Yes. Eligible teams would be able to play. Um, Plans for fan engagement would include, quote, bourbon and craft beer tours, culinary tours, college marching bands, cheer and dance team challenges, an esports tournament between the two schools, and a fan fest. It's to promote Cincinnati, obviously, to get other other 
activities here. Uh, the 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 day after the game, I thought this was kind of interesting. Dozens of corporate leaders will be invited to host a quote big wigs business brunch, where student athletes from both schools can meet and network to discuss future employment opportunities. So that's cool. So I thought that was pretty cool. But here's the amusing part. Now, I know with with a brief interlude, Mr. Reeves, you have lived in greater Cincinnati your whole life. Yes. I, however, am, am an immigrant to Cincinnati. I did not move here until after college. So in, in my world growing up, chili came in a bowl. Yeah, chili, well, you know, you could put chili, chili in a bowl. was something that, you know, had meat, maybe beans, whatever. For those who do not live in Cincinnati, however, this this bowl game may be a misnomer because chili in Cincinnati does not come in a bowl. It comes on a plate. Yeah, yeah. Three what, way. What you and I four way, five well, way. What what non Cincinnatians would say would be spaghetti. Here is chili. What? Say that again. Where I'm from, noodles on a plate with meat sauce over it would be considered a form of spaghetti. It is a form of spaghetti. No, here it's chili. No, chili is everything. Well, are you talking about just your classic three-way? Which is chili? And and let's define three-way noodles, meat sauce, (laughs) cheese, right? But it comes on a plate. It does come on a plate. But we're having a chili bowl. Well, that bowl, yeah. Yeah, you can put it in a bowl if you want. <laughs> it's very confusing. To, to me, the whole concept of this is both amusing and confusing. Because now that I've lived in, it'll be 25 years um, next May that I will have lived in greater Cincinnati. So, so my mind now accepts that chili comes on a plate. It's delicious. But but we're going to have the chili bowl. I bet the, the logo, I, I bet one of the local chili parlors, and yes, when you go to eat chili here, it's at a parlor. <laughs> I bet one of the local chili parlors sponsors this bowl game, and the logo will have a plate of chili for the chili bowl. I think it's a fantastic idea. And can Listen. you imagine the winning coach Getting dumped in a, bowl, a Gatorade full of chili. <laughs> Getting dumped a three-way right on top of his head. Listen, I, yeah, I, there's, there, I, I think it's awesome. I hope we get it. And there's just a lot of engagement for the city. There's a, there's a lot of really great colleges in the greater Cincinnati region. Everybody can get involved. I, I just, I think it, once again, to, to me, who's going to remember the champion of the Chili Bowl five minutes after it's over? Doesn't even matter. Does, does, does it help recruiting? I, you know, I don't right. know. Depends who's in it. I, I will say this though, Mr. Reeves. Yeah. If this game ever does happen, I think you and I need to go. We need, we're going. Just just as a research topic for the Get Schooled podcast, I think we should maybe contact the local folks in the media, and then we'll have a live podcast recording at the Chili Bowl. Live from the Chili Bowl, which is really the plate. Right. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. So, you know, I don't know what to say other than bring on the next great bowl game. 
I told you before when I was looking at this, combine it with the cheese it bowl, maybe have cheese that's on the side. <laughs> I don't know. But fans wait in the next year or two, the Cincinnati Chili Bowl. You heard it here first, folks. Coming to a, a coming to a early afternoon in December date to be named. I don't That's know. That's right. So anyway, before we take a break, let's remember that Get Schooled by Reason Ford is part of the NACAC Podcast Network, where you can find a variety of podcasts related to the college admissions process. For example, a new podcast available is The Admissions Beat, where, quote, veteran dean of admissions Lee Coffin from Dartmouth College provides high school juniors, seniors, and parents, as well as their counselors and other mentors, with news you can use at each step on the pathway to college, from the earliest days of the college search to applications, decision-making, and arrival on campus. And with that... We'll be back in just a minute and we'll start talking about residence life. Welcome back to Get Schooled by Reeves and Ford. Today, we're going to look at the world of residence life and how it may or may not impact the college experience. Uh, Joel, tell us a bit about your college experience in terms of residence life. So um, I actually had a couple of couple of different locations for where I lived um, in college. So I went to Western Kentucky University. Um, as I've mentioned multiple times, multiple, on, multiple times um, on this podcast, class of 1998. Um, I was blessed to have earned, uh, they don't have it anymore because I'm old, but back in the day, they had the Award of Excellence scholarship. Um, and so that pretty much paid for my college except for food. Um, now, what's interesting is I grew up about 30 minutes away from there, but um it actually was never in doubt, even if my parents had had to pay for housing, it never was in doubt whether I would live on campus. Um, but since I did um, go to school fairly close to home, I felt like I needed to put in an extra effort to not go home on weekends, to stay on campus, to meet new people, to get involved in campus life. Okay. Because so it would be easy. I, you, live I, so, you live so close to home, it would be easy. To it would be easy to go home. home. Right. Okay, but I chose not to do that. Um, so I might I might stop by for a few minutes, but then I'd be back on campus. Um, but as far as specific places I lived, so my first year, um, I lived in Hugh Poland Hall. Um, at the time, it was all male. Uh, the basketball team lived there. Um, so a lot of really tall guys. Um, but I lived on the top floor, uh, which was the ninth floor. It was a traditional two-person room, bathroom down the hall. Uh, my roommate was somebody that got assigned to be by chance. Um, okay. Didn't have the the dating match kind of stuff like they have now. You just sort of got who you got. Um, so that was year one. Uh, year two, uh, I lived in Barnes-Campbell Hall, uh, which now no longer exists. Uh, but fall of my sophomore year, uh, it was all male, third floor. 
same thing, traditional two-person room, bathroom down the hall. The big difference with this one, the shower area at the time was a room without stalls. Yeesh. Oh, my. You just kind of went in, went to, you know, and just kind of. Oh, oh, God. Yeah, it was it was odd. Um, So I only stayed there for a semester. And then um, I moved to Rhodes Harlan Hall. Um, And so I lived there for a year and a half. Um, It was the it was co-ed. It was the honors dorm, except I wasn't in the honors program, but my roommate was. Uh, I was on the fifth floor. Uh, It was traditional two-person room, bathroom down the hall. Uh, My roommate was my girlfriend's brother, um, who then became my wife, who, you know, and we know that whole story. Um, Then the the last year I lived off campus um, at the Wesley Foundation, United Methodist Student Center. Um, It was one block away from campus. We didn't have to pay to live there. We just had to maintain the house, the grounds, the adjoining church, um, mow the yard, you know, that kind of stuff. Wow. Okay. Um, So um, off and on campus for all four years. But you Um, you lived in a college dorm for three years. For three of the four, yes. Which which at a lot of schools is not as common anymore. Right. And I think... um, you know, my roommate was a year younger. So by the time I was a junior, he was a sophomore still. But I think part of that was the the fact that it was the honors dorm. Mm -hmm. Uh, Part of it was the fact that at the time there wasn't a ton of good quality off-campus housing. Okay. And I think part of it, there were a lot of people in that dorm at Rhodes that all got connected and were, were good friends with each other. And we just didn't want to leave the environment. Um, so, so if I had to vote, Rhodes was my best experience. Okay, sounds um, like it. Yeah, we kept our door open when we were in. Obviously, people came in and out. There was always somebody to do something with. You know, even even the days of doing your laundry and you have to sit and wait because we didn't have an app that told us when the laundry was done. Uh, but you just went outside the laundry room and played ping pong. Um, you know, but the the people we knew playing hide and seek in the middle of the campus, you know, up on the hill, um, just sitting outside, you know, talking and, and doing stuff. Um, I will say my senior year living in a house was nice, um, but it was isolating at times. Um, you did feel a little bit off campus. The other weird thing is, you know, because it was a church and because you know, it was a campus ministry, um, you know, things like Wednesday night worship and dinner, there may have been 50 people in the house, um, or people would stop by during the day to study. The pastor worked there during the day. Um, you know, so we had a bedroom that we could lock up, but sometimes privacy was an issue. Yeah. Yeah. It's There's just it's always, like a- there was always somebody in and out, right? Um, you're at a hostel. Yeah. So, so if you're going down the hall to the bathroom to take a shower, you kind of have to look around and make sure nobody's there kind of stuff. Um, <laughs> you know, so for all the benefits of that, um, it was definitely a different living experience. Um, so, Chris, tell us about your experience. Mine, mine is more varied than yours. Um, but it, as we plan for this episode... I didn't realize like, all right, this, I, you know, I've, I think I have some decent perspectives on what I've, where I've lived. 
Um, obviously, we already talked about it. Went to the Ohio State University, class of 93. So I'm older than you. Uh, but I, I was not awarded a scholarship of any kind. Um, but looking back, my GPA and ACT actually would have gotten me a scholarship, but I didn't apply. <laughs> Because I just had like these really immature attitudes. I thought I knew everything and I just thought, oh, I wouldn't get one. And I just, I was at a high school, we graduated 400 something in our class and, you know, you know how counseling goes sometimes. So it's still my fault, but I didn't, I didn't apply and I would have gotten some money. So my parents did pay for my tuition for four years. I mean, that was, I've mentioned it before, very fortunate and that not everyone gets that. Um, and I know they made sacrifices to make that happen. I, I don't believe they just kind of had the money sitting there in a 529 or anything like that. Probably didn't right. even exist back then. But uh, the first year, I lived at home. Um, I was about 20 minutes away from campus. I was I went to Dublin High School in Dublin, Ohio. At that time, it was just Dublin High, high School. It's now Dublin Coffin High School with all the other high schools in Dublin. But we, uh, I just commuted. And... I was, uh, I would call that high school squared. I didn't engage in campus a whole lot. Maybe did some intramurals. I mean, I loved it. I loved being there. I loved being at Ohio State. I went to the football games, all that kind of stuff. But when you're commuting from home and your mommy makes you dinner every night, you know, like that's, that's, that's just high school squared. Um, second year, I went to Taylor Tower. That was the honors dorm. And it was awesome. Um, co-ed floor, which I think for 1990, maybe wasn't as common to have a co-ed that's, floor. Yeah, that's kind of progressive for them. Yeah, yeah, co-ed floor. Um, the girls across the hall kept their door open. We kept our door open. We had three rooms in our dorm. It was a bathroom, a study area, and the bunk room. The bunk room was really small, you know, two bunk beds, just a little closety type space. Um, so it wasn't big, but we had our own bathroom. So that was really, really nice. And I, I would I would say having having what sounds like the original suite style, back then yeah kind of i mean also yeah yeah, you know it wasn't it wasn't nice like things are now but you know that's just how it was back then but the co-ed floor we became just great great friends with the girls across the hall you know like again our our doors just stayed open that that's those those are really really good memories also got really good at ping pong in my dorm as well because in the basement you had the ping pong tables and it's kind of what we did the third year, I moved to an apartment with a high school friend, Raj, and shout out to Dr. Raj Shah, my friend who still lives in Columbus, Ohio. Um, hopefully he listens, you know, I'll now tell him he's mentioned, so he's going to, he's going to have to. Go. So I live with Raj and there were six of us in this big apartment, really close to campus, kind of expensive in some sense for back then, but but not too bad. And it was awesome. That was, that was, that was the best living I did was junior year. We, there were six of us and, you know, we were different people. Two of them were in the band. So I learned a lot about the Ohio state marching band, the best damn band in the land and how precise their uniforms always had to be and how they had to go through all of the checks and what row they were in and how they could compete with each other to get knock somebody out of a row or in a row or whatever. Right. Um, but it was a very rigid experience for them. And it was cool for me because I felt like I knew Ohio state. Uh, also in the, in the fourth year, 
I rented a room in a house. I that was so dumb. I I'll get to it in a little bit. I had a girlfriend my junior year, and then it was like I don't know. It caused a little conflict because I think she was just there too much, like at certain times. And my roommates kind of addressed it, and then I got all mad, and I'm like, "Oh, just leave!" And I found an apartment my junior year or senior year, but I rented a room in a house to save money, and uh, it was crazy because I didn't even no one used the common space. We just I just lived in that room. It was a giant room. I had a furniture in there that is like its own apartment but i just went to the kitchen every now and then and it was disgusting and i ended up moving out when i went when i did my student teaching in the spring but i wish i would have stayed in that apartment with the guys for senior year well, so. well and I, w- I was just sitting here thinking i and i've thought about this before but it just kind of struck me um when you said that was your best living experience so my best living experience was was the full year I was in the honors dorm. Right. But looking back, I just realized most of my friends in that dorm were STEM majors, um, like almost all of them. And and so one thing that, you know, as a social studies and education major, I don't know that I would have encountered um, yeah, sure. those people because our classes were in completely different parts of the campus. Um but it was because of that common housing that we ended up meeting and becoming friends and, and that sort of thing. So, right. That's um, cool. You know, and, and as far as the residents, as, as far as the life part of the residents life, um, you know, we were both, I'm sure involved in activities um, for me attending sporting events, um, serving in student leadership with the Wesley foundation Um you know, honor societies and history clubs and things like that. Um, my my last semester, obviously, student teaching. Um, I worked part time, so a lot of stuff going on outside of living on campus. Uh, how about you, sir? Yeah, I don't know. This maybe this is almost a cliche that plays into our hand and our point with this episode in some sense. But I wasn't involved in hardly anything freshman year. The year I did not live on or near campus. The really? year I the year I commuted. I mean, I, I was very shy anyway. And, you know, I had all this anxiety stuff I didn't even know about. (laughs) Now that I do, I can deal with it better and understand it. But I didn't even know why, like, I would be nervous to be like, around, like, I would just get home, just get home from campus, that sort of thing. So, you know, I I didn't do anything to stretch myself. And I did the things I was comfortable with. And that's it. And there was nowhere, nowhere to push myself. Um, but, you know, I probably did intramural soccer freshman year, that sort of thing. But but I actually don't even remember. But once I moved to campus, intramurals, mm-hmm. I know I look like an athlete. You know, <laughs> I know. I know it's clear when anyone sees me like that's an athlete. <laughs> actually, you know, what one of my jokes is when I when I run because I don't run enough. When I run, here's what I picture people saying now. They look at me on the street and they're, they're like, good for you. Nah. Good for you getting out there like that. Like that's that's what I envision when when people see me now. But back then, you know, I was 20 years old. You never get tired. You run around a soccer field, basketball. I played softball. Um, I can't even remember what else I did. Those were probably the big ones seasonally for intramurals. But my biggest connection to campus, and I don't even know if you know this about me, Joel. 
which would be epic to drop something on you you didn't know. But my biggest connection to campus came with a job. And it was not a work-study job. So it was very few jobs that were hired by the university that were not work-study jobs. But I worked for Crime Watch Escort Service <laughs> on campus. Now, okay, you laughed. Uh, and I'm thinking, all right, insert joke here. You worked for an escort service. I did. So we escorted students safely from one building on campus to another or on campus to an off-campus apartment or off-campus to an on-campus building. So what we would not do is escort somebody from an off-campus location to another off-campus location. Like that was something that was not in our in our purview. But it, it all we walked. I mean, I would walk till two in the morning. Be me and a, and a partner, we had our, I mean, you, you just keep laughing. It's fine. Please tell me you had a badge or a whistle. We had a or... jacket with Crime Watch on the back. We had a flashlight <laughs> that you could beat someone with if you really needed to. And and when we weren't escorting people, we were checking buildings. Like that was the we would write these security violations, and we have these little competitions. Like how many unlocked buildings can we find? So we'd go to a window in like the architecture building, and if you could get into their stuff. Like you got to climb into the building and then write a violation up, like lock the built, lock the window, leave the through the front door, whatever. Um, the sad part is I actually broke two windows during my time, <laughs> one with my butt, like climbing through this window, and one I was just pushed on too hard forward and broke it. But I digress. Uh, I knew campus. I knew it. I knew campus. I knew every single alley, brick, window, stone. And you're talking about, you know, Ohio State's Oval, which is beautiful. The all of the oldest buildings toward the south side of campus near Mirror Lake and all of that. I mean, I knew campus. And then we got a van, the Crime Watch Escort Service van. And we just got to knock out all these rides. And I got to know off campus, too. I mean, I felt like by the time I graduated, I, I knew knew my campus like inside and out uh by the time i was done i was a by the time i graduated i was a manager so i would take phone calls plan the routes because people i mean it got busy i'd have to say okay we can be there in 45 minutes you're going from here to here so to plan out the van route i would have to really really know how long it would take just in my brain there's no apps then and i would just have to know like that that's about five minutes that's about 10 we can get these three people pick them up one, 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 then go drop them off in this order and just kind of run, run point on, on that. Um, great times. There are so many comments that I have. What? So many. Un, unmarked vans, escort was, services. They had Crime Watch escort service on the, on the side. I mean, intramural athletic stud becoming wow. crime dog. Yeah. Uh, so many things, but. Uh, here, here's here's I guess the question and, and and what we need to get into. Okay, yeah, let's get into it. How would our college experiences have have been different had we not been a part of campus life? Right. Um, okay. So you spoke to that based on your first year, um, and, and it sounds like you feel like your experience was different because of not being on campus that first year. One hundred percent. But what about some other things? Like, was your performance in college helped or hindered? because of it. Um, what, what, and in general, for both of us or for any student, 
does living arrangement impact college performance? Um, for me, living off campus was my last year of school. My last semester was student teaching. Um, so that was completely different than traditional college um, because I wasn't after after the first three weeks we took a we took a um, classroom management class was our last thing and then the last 15 weeks I wasn't on campus for class I was in a high school um, so I'm not sure what impact living off campus had at least for half the year um, I felt like I was just as focused but I had to time manage better to avoid times where groups of students would be in the house um, in order for me to get things done or, or to lesson plan or, or anything like that. Yeah, I didn't um, mention that I moved out of that really crappy apartment right before student teaching. And then I lived at home. I moved back to my parents' house. I moved, lived at home for student teaching, which kind of fizzled out, fizzled out college a little bit uh, as far as involvement, you know, right. because between a job and student teaching, that's two jobs. And there wasn't time for, for anything else. Um, you know, I, I'm not going to lie. And I know it's a shock to anyone listening, but I was kind of a nerd. And my studies were just, they were decent no matter what. Like, it didn't matter if I was at home, if I was on campus, you know. And frankly, I wasn't an engineering major. I mean, no disrespect to education majors. I was one, and so were you. But it wasn't as intense, and like, I didn't have to worry about the math. I mean, a little more project based, that sort of thing. But it wasn't like it stretched my abilities as a person and a listener, but it didn't stretch me like academically as far as memorization or those types of things. So, you know, not the all a type of person, but, but it, it was good. And my only bad semester was when I had that girlfriend, um, you know, but for a nerd, like that was good for me. Like I was happy. <laughs> I was happy about that. I was okay with a, with a, with a couple of C's in college, you know? So I think what we need to do now, um, b before you get into too much disclosure about that girlfriend. Thank you. Yeah. Stop um, me now, please. Let's take a break. When we come back, our guest will be with us. She'll be able to really kind of give us some good information about the residence life experience and the importance of it on the total college experience. So let's take a break and we'll be back right after this. Welcome back to Get Schooled by Reeves and Ford. Joel, please, why don't you introduce today's guest? Absolutely. Today's guest is Leanne Morgan, Residence Life Coordinator at Thomas More University in Crestview Hills, Kentucky. Now, prior to her current position, uh, she served in the admissions office at Thomas More. Um, I don't know about you, Chris. She was our admissions counselor at Connor for, for several years. Um, she was also, we know her as well through Kentucky ACAC. Uh, she was also the college fair co-chair, um, probably one of the most important jobs setting up our college fair calendar uh, for the year. Um, but I, I know her from both of those uh, places. She graduated from Thomas More in 2017, 
majoring in communication and international studies, and then she earned a Master of Arts in Ethical Leadership in 2020. Uh, while at Thomas More, she served as president of the Student Activities Board and was a cheerleader for the Saints. And I, I put on here, she's the biggest dog lover I've ever met, which is true. And then she took a sip out of her out of her coffee mug, which has a dog on it. <laughs> it does. <laughs> so it just proves she's the biggest dog lover you would ever meet. Uh, Leanne, thanks for being on the podcast. We are so excited to have you today. Thank you guys for having me. I'm excited to work with you guys. Um, we're working with both of you in admissions was always a lot of fun. So I'm glad we get to connect this way too. So let's start with, um, I guess, I, let's start at the beginning. Tell us about your residential experience. Um, and, and, you know, you've heard our stories. So tell us a little bit about your story. Yeah, of course. So I um, lived on campus at Thomas More for three years. My first year I was in Howard Hall and um, with that building, Marion Howard at the time was all girls. And so, and it was mostly first year students. Um, it was a ton of fun. It was very traditional, two people to a room, communal bathrooms, very straightforward. But what I appreciated about that traditional style that a lot of people forget because they're so stuck on, oh, I have to share showers and I have to share a bathroom and I have to brush my teeth in um, a sink that someone else was using. But what I loved about it is I had to leave my room to do pretty much anything. So I had to meet people. I had to walk past someone almost every time I walked out of my door. And so it was really nice that it it forced that community a little bit more um, and made it really easy to meet people. And then my sophomore year and my junior year, I lived in Murphy Hall, which is our suite style hall. And every year I had different roommates, which made for an interesting time. Um, my first year roommate, she moved back home. Her and I still talk. She um, is actually my hairdresser, so she does my hair a few times a year, and we'll catch up, and she's doing great. My sophomore year, roommates were rough, to say the least, for part of the okay. year, um, but it worked out in the end. We're still good friends, which is nice, too. Um, you always, I think, living on campus, figure out you have people that you can be friends with and people that you can tolerate living with and they might not always be in the same category so and then I think my best year living on campus was my junior year I had fantastic roommates we all got along really well um we had a lot of fun on campus that was the year I was really really thriving with the student activities board we had restructured the entire program and we put on a lot of events that year and it was nice because I did have different roommates every year. I had different groups of friends. And so I could drag all of them to the events and make them leave their rooms too. And then my senior year, I commuted um, from my parents' house. I moved back home with my parents because I was saving money to do study abroad. So that was, okay. that was my counteraction is I'll live at home for a year and save money because then I can go to Paris. <laughs> all right. Did you find that your experience changed at all in that senior year? A little bit, yeah. I was still 
very much the person. I was always a busybody. I always liked to be involved. It was the same in high school. I wanted to be the person that was doing everything that I possibly could. So it changed a little bit just in terms of, well, I don't want to drive home at two o'clock in the morning. So I guess I'll go home a little bit earlier and miss this event or not help clean up or whatever the situation was. Um, But I was still pretty involved my senior year. So, but it was, it was a big effort on my part to do that, that rather than out of the convenience of it, whenever I did live on campus. Yeah. How far away were your parents? Um, about 25 minutes. Okay. So a decent little so drive. Like to- yeah. They're over in Cincinnati. And if you know anything about Cincinnati, the Ohio river is the biggest barrier between Cincinnati and Northern Kentucky. So <laughs> it's, it's, you know, I know I feel the same way. Yeah. <laughs> so, so I guess part two, and Chris, I'm going to slip in a question real quick. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. So maybe tell us a little bit about Thomas Moore as far as student, student makeup and residence life, how many live on campus and, and dorms and that sort of thing. Yeah. So we have, I think about 1400 traditional undergrad students this year. Um, and about 450 or so live on campus. So about a third of the population lives on campus. And we did open a new building the year after I graduated. So I started working here and saw all this construction and (laughs) now we have a new residence hall building. Um, and that's Stallmeyer Hall. And so we're able to fit more people on campus, which is really nice too. And, um, in that building, it's, it's a good mix between different styles. So it's a traditional style building where you have two people to a room, but all of the bathrooms are individual bathrooms. They're just shared among your floor. So it adds a a nice level of privacy that students nowadays are really looking for. Um, And that building also has a kitchen on every floor. So if you have any eating restrictions, you just like to cook, we have a lot of international students. And so They'll go in there and make food from their home countries, whatever the case is. Um, that building accommodates a lot of different students too, which is nice. One thing I think that stands out at Thomas More that a lot of schools have that we actually don't usually do is we don't have an honors housing setup. We don't have a specific building where athletes live. We don't have a specific building where first year students live. Um, so all of the students are intertwined throughout all of the buildings. I have a, I have a follow-up on that too. So do you fill up your housing? Or, or this year, I think it was the first year, maybe second year where we were over capacity at the start of school. So we had filled up and then a few students decided they wanted to live at home or they decided that they weren't going to get playing time on whatever sport they came here for. And they um, decided to pull back out before it was too late um, at the start of school. So then we were, I think we had maybe two or three empty beds at the beginning of this school year. So it was, it was pretty filled. Well, is that part of your role now as residence life coordinator or does that fall into admissions? That is Technically, it should be the director of housing, which we're hiring for right now. (laughs) Um, But with us hiring that position, it fell with me to do the housing placements and the numbers and count 
who was where and make sure as much as possible I could get the right roommates with the right people and um, so on and so forth. Well, so then, all right, from your lens, I mean, we've talked about our own personal experiences, which is a small sample size, but I mean, like how, if you're, how shall I put this? Let's say you're talking to a student and they're considering living on campus. Like, how do you describe how the experience will change for them if they if they choose to live on campus versus commuting? One of the best parts of living on campus is you are surrounded by your peers who are going through the same process that you are. They may be different majors. They may be involved in different activities and different sports, but everyone is going to school for a reason. And so you always know when it's exam week because you see everyone anxiously snacking while they're trying to study and you see energy drinks everywhere and um, people kind of pacing and, and things like that. And you can, you can feel that, that common feeling among the community. Um, Same with whenever something really exciting is happening on campus, you feel that throughout all of the residence halls. And so it's, it's a fun feeling. And it's nice that, you know, I will say my, neither of my parents went to college. So I'm a first generation college student. And my senior year when I moved home, I was doing homework or I was doing lab reports or I wanted to go to a concert on campus. And they kept looking at me like I was crazy. And they said, you're spending a lot of gas to keep going over there. And you're, you're always studying and you're always doing this. And it was the same in my master's degree too. Honestly, I lived with them while I did that. And yeah. the same thing, I was always doing homework. And so they were shocked at how much work it actually did take, even in my senior year, to keep my grades up and how involved I was with school. Um, because when I lived here, they didn't see that day to day, like when I lived at home. So, but I, I will always, if you can afford it, if it is something that you are comfortable with, I will always recommend living on campus for at least one year. I think everyone should have that experience because it gives a lot of independence, um, but it's not a full commitment like an apartment or a house or something. Um, And it does, like I said, it gives you that community of people who are going through the same process as you. And so you may meet people. I know some of my best friends now are people I never even had met my freshman year. And I lived with them my junior year. And so you may meet people you don't even think you would get along with either. So I'm trying to take some notes here because if we're going to, like, I'm trying to calculate or list like all the benefits. So some of the stuff Mm -hmm. I had written down so far, just to back up slightly, you know, everyone, people have this common experience, um, the independence you get from living on campus, meeting people, um, being involved in campus. I would call that just inherently a benefit to, to that. What other? I what are some of the other, what are some of the other benefits? Like if we're just going to make a list of things that we can tell people, here are the benefits of living on campus. Statistically, students do um, perform better academically when they live on campus because they have 
better connections to, like I said, their fellow students, but maybe even faculty members or staff members on campus. And we do some events within the residence halls where we will bring in um, our career services and they'll talk about how to get an internship and how to do your resume or we'll bring in peer tutoring or we'll bring in campus ministry. And so we bring these resources to them as well. So they get, they get these connections a little bit easier than students who commute. Um, and that's a huge benefit too. So typically they do perform better academically. Um, it's also pretty convenient to study in the library until midnight or one in the morning and be able to take a four minute walk back to your bed versus to your car to drive 30 minutes to get home. Um, and so it helps a lot with that as well. For sure. Right. Not right. So you're saying basically it's not really just a convenience thing. It's 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 better for your performance, better for you academically to be able to spend more yes. time in the library, to have those services brought to you instead of you always having to seek them out as a commuter. Yeah. Do you did, have you all done any of your own kind of benchmarking with that or, or do you cite any any national research? on this i frankly didn't look it up so maybe i should have but joel's our researcher, there is so. some there is some national research on it i'll send it to you um i don't have it pulled up in front of me right now but there sure, there yeah, is some cool. research on it um we just started doing our own benchmarking and we got a brand new database across campus that does actually help with this kind of reporting a lot easier than our old one. Oh, cool. And so we just right. started doing those benchmarks too, to determine based on your major and based on your sport, um, whether you live on campus or not, what your outcome will statistically look like. Oh, that's awesome. Well, yeah. We'd like to, well, that, that, I mean, that certainly would be something you all would share. Eventually. Right. I was going to ask, that's something oh, yeah. you're going to share with, with prospective students and parents, right? Yeah, absolutely. What about a Kentucky ACAC conference session? Oh, I would happily do that. <laughs> that might be cool. That'd be, that'd be a good session. So I, I wanted to follow up on something you mentioned before. You said you said you feel like students should live on campus at least one year. Um, what about, What are your thoughts about not not necessarily commuting, but then moving off campus. Um, it, it, are there benefits to that? Um, does it impact college performance, being involved, that sort of thing? How does how does living off campus change the dynamic? So, and I actually have a few good examples of this. Um, we have students right now who want to live in apartments their first year. And we have a live on campus requirement that's um, if you live outside of certain counties or a certain distance away, you have to live on campus. And so we have students who try to get approved to live in apartments their first year. And we rarely ever approve them. And if we do, it's usually a medical reason. Um, and that's because if you are trying to balance the independence of shifting from high school to college and you are shifting from living with your parents, your grownups, your family, and shifting to now having to pay utilities and rent and 
because college students are um, spontaneous, probably a pet, because that's what they all do. And you're trying to shift that as well as balance college. It's a lot. And there are there is a very small population of people in the world who could handle that much at one time. Um, so kind of like Chris said, he he commuted his first year and but he never felt like he was getting that full experience. So then when he lived on campus his sophomore year, you feel that that change very quickly. Um, and then on the on the flip side of that, my friends and I lived here for three years. They rented a house our senior year. So I moved home with my parents so I could study abroad and they rented a house. So I was at their house all the time. It was in Covington. It was 10 minutes away. It wasn't far. Um, but we made sure to still have different study sessions um, because we were either education majors or communication majors. Um, they lived right next to a coffee house. So we went right next door to the coffee shop all the time and um, studied there. And so we, but we had to plan that out more often than just walking down the hall and knocking on someone's door. So it took a little bit more effort once everyone did shift off campus. But as a freshman, maybe people wouldn't be as good at that, I think you're saying, as as opposed to your senior year when you've got your habits exactly. kind of lined out. Exactly, yeah. So, the next, the next big, the next big piece that we haven't mentioned a ton. You did mention it. You said if you can afford, but we, but we'd like to dig into that a little bit, a little bit more, because um, it's the big question is the college experience is great. You know, growing up, independence, um, all the things that we traditionally feel like it's time at eighteen, nineteen to start doing. And that by the time you're 20 to 21, 22, 23, graduating college, you, you should be more of, of, an, of an adult. The question is, if, if, a, if living on campus costs you as much as tuition for a public university right now, I think that to go to the University of Kentucky in, in our state, I think it's around $13,000 to, to pay tuition to go there for a year. Um, but it's also about $13,000 to live there, to live on campus for a year. When, when does that, when do you just wait and grow up later and save the money? And like, like how does, there's got to be a line. There's a line somewhere where it's like, okay, this sounds great, but I, I can't afford that. So let's, let's talk about the money. Any thoughts you all have? Yeah, my big thing is, I think it's different for every situation. We have students on our campus who live here and commute who are from every level of a socioeconomic background. Um, we have students, um, at least a couple I can think of off the top of my head, who are technically homeless right now. So their only place to live is on campus. Wow. Um, and so we run into things like that where we see that happening a little bit more every year as well. Um, and, it, and it's hard to see that, but then you have students who come from a higher socioeconomic background who, you know, $13,000 to them. Luckily Thomas Moore has one of the cheaper living on campus costs in the, in the yes. state and in the you. region. Yeah. Yeah, um, and so if we're, if we're using Thomas Moore numbers, your housing and your meal plan is going to, be 
anywhere between 8,500 and 12,000 for the year. Um, and you have some families who won't bat an eye at that. So it, it varies across the board. Um, but I think the biggest piece of it is the value of how that student feels. If, if the student is 100% confident that they can be involved and that they will get their best experience, but they're not comfortable living on campus, um, maybe because they've never had to share a room or they have never had to share a bathroom or something like that. Um, maybe it's not a, a, the best fit for them. It's not the best way to spend their money. Um, for me, it was a great way to spend my money and take out a student loan for it my first year um, sure. because it, it gave me that independence. It gave me that space away from my family. Um, and I love my family, but they're constantly chaos. And so it was nice to have that, that breakaway where I wasn't distracted when I was studying or doing homework or, um, practicing for cheerleading, anything like that. And so the cost, especially like you said, depending on where you go, especially at some of the bigger schools, the state schools, your housing is going to be just as much as your tuition is. Um, but I think it comes down to what does that student value and how much they're willing to spend on that. Now, there are ways to help cover the cost of housing, too. So is it you said you did this. Is it worth potentially taking on a student loan in order to have that experience? It was for me. Absolutely. So okay. um, but. I think for me, and I'm always very transparent about how much college costs for me and um, everything, it was cheaper for me to come across state lines to Kentucky and come to Thomas More to go to college than it was for me to go to UC. So my I tuition yeah. every year at Thomas More after scholarships was probably anywhere between five to $7,000 a year. That was just my tuition. So for me, it was worth it because if I was on, I wasn't paying as much for tuition as a lot of other students, it was worth it for me to pay for one year to live on campus. And then the next two years I lived here for free. So it was, um, that was a good balance too. Yeah. And I might be looking at it a little rigidly in a way, because I'm thinking, okay, is the, is the experience worth it? But if it makes the difference in say graduating college, then, then clearly it's, it's worth it to spend the extra money to make sure you graduate. Yeah. If we're talking about, you know, better academics. Um, if it, if it means more supports, if it means a, a richer experience that leads to, I mean, I guess it boils down in mathematically to re a return on investment. And if you don't graduate, your return on investment is very, very low. <laughs> and yeah. if you spent more, but graduated, well, so so let's ask this question then, it, because not we know not everyone can afford, uh, especially in one of our first episodes, we talked about lazy rivers and climbing walls and all these amenities that the arms that, race, the arms race that these a lot of schools are 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 putting in to to get kids on campus or whatever. So let's say a student just can, the they can swing the tuition and books, but 
living on campus is a little bit too much. What what do you recommend they those students do to help enhance their college experience? How do they get connected? So one big thing, whether you live on campus or you commute, it is totally up to you as the student to be involved. So I, I know students who have lived on campus and they went to class and they went back to their room and that is it. They barely talked to anybody. They were not involved with anything. Um, they were just existing in the residence halls and going to class basically. And then I know students who commute and they get involved with a lot of things. They're in a sport, they're in clubs, they're in student leadership, so on and so forth, work study even. And so I think regardless of your living situation, it's definitely on the student to take that initiative to get involved. Um, that's, that's the biggest piece as well is um, even, you know, we're at the semester break right now. I have a few students who didn't perform so well academically living on campus, but they got too distracted. They were way too distracted with, oh, I can just hang out with my friends and go play video games whenever I want. Or um, I can just go walk and grab a snack and come back and go to sleep whenever I want. And so that's kind of the flip side of it. Statistically, students do perform better. And so it is worth that that investment. But there are those, those one-offs where students are too distracted. They... Um, they get that independence and it, it goes to their head a little bit and sure. they just, they lose it a little bit more than they planned on. And so some of them, a few students have lost scholarships over it. And so um, you also have to be aware that again, it's, it's up to you to take that initiative as the student because it could cost you some scholarship money down the road. Um, but if you are, if you're a commuter and you're eventually wanting to live on campus, just ask questions, ask faculty, ask staff, ask your admissions counselor. Um, I can't say how many students I worked with their first year to help get them involved um, because I was that constant person they knew through the admissions process. And so the more people you talk to and ask questions and, and read the flyers, <laughs> I know everyone on college campuses hates flyers, but the flyers have everything on them that you will right. need. Sure. Very informative. Um, Rip the little tag off the flyer at the bottom. Yes. Yeah. Go to your study session. Go talk to your professor about your class. Get involved with a club, start a club, whatever it is, just something to get you out there. Um, because I think that that gives you that better connection to your campus as well. I have a question just for you. What, I don't know, you know, a residence life coordinator, like where that path starts, but I'm wondering like what parts of being an admission counselor helped you in this role? So I, with my role, I oversee all of the resident assistants. So I am working with right now 16 college students who are all sophomores to seniors who um, each one is assigned a hallway in one of the residence halls is how we have it set up. And when I was in admissions, I was constantly talking to students about what are your goals whenever you go to college? What do you want to do? What do you want to study? So on and so forth. And that's now 
transpired into talking to the resident assistants. What do you want to do as a student leader? What are your goals? What do you want to get out of this job? What career path are you on? What do you want to do after you graduate? Because I have five seniors this year. Um, and so we're starting to have those conversations too. And how can I help you better prepare for your career and your life after college? And do you want to go to grad school? Do you want to go right into the workforce? Um, I have one who's thinking about the military. So it's all over the place, but it's having the conversations with students and admissions constantly made me really comfortable having the conversations with the students now um, about what they want to do and looking forward and how to best prepare them for it. Cool. Awesome. No, I, I mean, I, I love your campus. I love your school. And now that I help out at a diocese high school and work there um, part-time, it's, it's nice to have that, that connection. In fact, I think I told Joel this, but you and I watched a penalty kick shootout not too long ago, um, sitting, <laughs> sitting after, after the Christmas lunch at Thomas More. Um, I couldn't go home because I forget the teams that were in it, actually, but it was during the middle of World Cup in the, in the, the group round group stage those so. last few games were insane <laughs> i know i know it was awesome it was awesome you know what we didn't ask by the way i have one question for you and then and then one for all of us but um so how was paris you saved up for it oh best so paris was my first time on an airplane ever wow okay um, I was deathly afraid of airplanes growing up. And then the study abroad trip showed up and I said, I'm just, I'm going to do it. Um, Go for it. To this right. day, my mom is baffled that an eight hour flight is my first time on an airplane. <laughs> you um, know what? Go all in. But, That's awesome. Yeah. But study, I will always recommend study abroad to any student as well. Um and that's a topic for another time, but it was absolutely incredible. Um, we stayed actually in a, in a convent with a bunch of really sweet nuns who were super nice. Um, and we got to explore the city. We explored Versailles. We explored Monet's gardens. It was a ton of fun. So um, my friend and I actually went back this past summer and backpacked and I made sure we went back to Paris. So that way I could show her around too while we were there. Oh, that's awesome. And did did you have to know French going in? No. So most people will speak English. I speak some French. I'm and I understand it a lot better if I'm reading it or I'm listening to it. And so I've even had conversations where the person is speaking French and I'm speaking English and we both understand each other perfectly. Um and it's it's a funny interaction, but you don't you don't have to know French or if you're going anywhere really any language. Most places will know English. Um, sometimes you'll even run into people who want to practice their English with you. And so that's always fun too. Cool. Um, we, so much good advice and, and hopefully good, good thinking points for our, for the listeners of the podcast. Um, but something fun to end with as far as questions, this is for all three of us, because I actually have an answer too. before we go. Does anyone have any funny roommate stories they would like to share? And I will go last. <laughs> um, I have a few different ones. I think one of the, f looking back now, it's funny. 
um, is my roommate and I, my sophomore year, went on a spring break trip together um, where it, it ended horribly. And so looking back, it's kind of funny how we let a lot of stuff come between us at that time. Um, oh, but wow. she, at one point she threatened to leave me down there and just drive back home to Cincinnati. And so once we got back, we talked everything out and it worked out um, and everything was fine. Um, so that's kind of my crazy roommate story. I think the other one is my junior year, whenever my roommates and I moved in, there was a cross that was painted like a child's picture. I don't know where it came from. To this day, we don't know where it's at either because we took turns hiding it in each other's stuff. And so (laughs) one of our roommates played soccer and one of them played basketball. And so we'd hide it in their travel bags or we'd hide it in their cleats or whatever. And so then they'd find it in just the most random spot. I think our roommate who played basketball found it in her bag in Iowa at one point. And so we're hiding it in each other's stuff. And then we, we carried that on actually for another year. And then we never, we never know what happened with the cross to this day, but. Oh my gosh. That's awesome. That's fun. Well, for me, uh, there's a ton I could tell, but, um, my senior year, when I lived at the Wesley Foundation, I'm convinced I lived in a haunted house. Um, the, they, the church had bought the house, I think, back in the 50s, um, allegedly from an, an older man and woman um, who I think still um, spiritually lived in the house. Um, we, would hear, we would hear steps going down the hall at night, um, well after anyone should have been there. We would come out in the in the front room, and they we had these old vinyl couches from like the seventies that had never been replaced, and you would see butt prints in the couch that weren't there when we went to bed, uh, just just crazy weird stuff like that. And so, um, it, as a as a twenty one year old, like looking behind your shoulder like you're five and scared to death sometimes because you would just see and hear things that you couldn't explain. Um, lights would, would be on that shouldn't have been on, that sort of thing. So just a year of, of a little bit of spookiness uh, my senior year that we had to live through. That's cool. All right. Yeah, no, it wasn't cool. It was kind of scary, actually. <laughs> <laughs> no, I just, uh, when I thought about this one, I have sophomore year in the dorm. Dude, okay, so I won't say a name just because just – I don't need to, but he, he smelled so bad. It was like the worst, like this, the odor, it was unnatural and unholy in some way. We would take all of his clothes like out and like Lysol them and stuff and just like never did any good. And then we talked to him like, Hey, maybe you should take a shower. But there was like, I don't know, maybe I guess it happens to people sometimes where like, it's just part of their like body chemistry and makeup, but it was bad. It was so bad. And, you know, I guess we just ended up living with it. But I guess maybe that's not the best way to end. Like, hey, you should live on dorms. You should live on campus. <laughs> but uh, it was, you know, random type thing. And nice guy. But, oh, my gosh, dude, not good. Well, I, I guess I would say that we've all, we've all got stories and we all have lived through them. And we're probably all better for the experiences that we've had. I would, um, I would totally agree. You know, the, the girls, we, we were, 
like possibly the nerdiest four guys you could find like it it at any university in one room. I don't know how they were able to do that. It was the honor storm at Ohio State. But we decided if we ever had a if we ever had a girl back, we would put a sock on the door and the girls across the hall are like, you guys, you guys aren't going to need that. <laughs> like, just they, like they thought it was the funniest thing in the world. Like, you got and, and we didn't need that. None of us. But they're like, you're not you're not going to you're not going to need that. So, per- Perhaps it was the crime watch jackets that turns turn the ladies <laughs> off. I don't know. It's a lot of things. Uh, a lot of things. <laughs> well, thanks. I mean, this is this was awesome. Uh Leanne, thank you so much for for joining us. Um, let's let's sit back for a minute, take a quick break before getting to our four lenses and word of wisdom. Joel, we will be right back. Welcome back to Get Schooled by Reeves and Ford. Joel, let's get to it with our four lenses. What do independent and school counselors need to know? So if you're an independent or a school counselor, talk to your students about the benefits of living on campus and getting involved. Uh, If it's a situation in which financially a student needs to live at home and commute, or if they're choosing to live off campus, uh, talk with them about ways to create or maintain that connection to campus life whether it's getting involved in activities, working on campus, attending sporting events, or simply staying on campus to study. Um, Although the degree is the most important part of college, there's something to be said for the experience. If you're at a university, you're in a, frankly, you're in a tough spot. Um, As we discussed on previous episodes, if you don't have nice dorms and amenities, students, students won't come. But if you spend too much on your facilities, the prices go up. There has to be value in in what you provide. You know, can it be nice enough to attract students without the granite and fancy mattresses? Perhaps. Uh, I, I don't necessarily, in this lens today, have any advice for colleges. But my primary thought is is making it as affordable as possible for families. If you're a parent. Uh, I'm going to be upfront from the outset on this one. I'm biased because I know how important living on campus was for me in terms of getting involved in campus life, meeting other people, and simply growing up into a responsible adult. Uh, So if you can afford to have your child live on campus, uh, by whatever means you're accomplishing that, please allow them to do so. Um, If living on campus means that you and or your student will accrue massive amounts of debt, Uh, then perhaps a more affordable option can be considered that would allow your child to live on campus. Um, So maybe they don't need that apartment style. Maybe they can live with a more traditional style uh, that would cost less. Um, If ultimately not living on campus allows a student to go to college and earn a degree, then so be it. But do everything you can to allow your child to have that residential experience. Um, And then to go along with that, Allow your child the time to have that experience without constantly calling, visiting, asking them to come home, et cetera. 
Uh, this is the time for them to discover who they are. So cut that cord and let them go, no matter how difficult it may be. It's good advice, Joel. Uh, if you're a student, one, college is transformative. Uh, Joel and I have spent years, entire careers, teaching and counseling, all with the belief that education changes lives. As Joel mentioned to parents, if possible, the experience of growth academically and socially is all part of going to college, not just the academics, uh, not just the degree. At the same time, even though we've already discussed it, I'm, I'm concerned that the experience is beginning to outprice itself. Living at a state university is a forty to $50,000 investment, which means you, you've got to make that call for each, for each family, for each person. If you can pull it off, that's awesome. I mean, we're, I think you can get the tone of the episode that it is that that it's worth it to do that. Uh, but if you if you can't make that happen, don't sweat it. Get the degree. You know, follow follow Leanne's advice. Like, do the things you need to do to to get that degree individually. Um, you you can grow up in so many ways and at different times if if you need to. And so with that, uh, it's time to wind down this episode. And as always, we're going to finish up today with Chris's words of wisdom. Uh, Chris, what is the word for us today? Curious. Being curious. Um, I've always, I don't know why I've said this 15 times today, but I've always been a nerd about, about learning things, especially for me, understanding the natural world around me. I have an app to identify birds through sight and one through sounds. I have apps for trails, trees. And mushrooms. So in that regard, I do consider myself curious, but that's not the kind of curious I'm talking about. Uh, I steal it from Jen, my wife, my lovely wife, who introduces a new word each year. And what she means and what I mean here is being curious about others, being a better listener. Uh, instead of contributing to a conversation, ask one more question. Dig into what the other person is saying a little bit more than, than I do. So I plan on taking my own advice here and being more curious about the people around me. Well, there you go. And remember, as always, you can listen to Get Schooled on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Spotify, Stitcher, and Amazon. You can follow us on Twitter at at GetSchooled3, Mr. Reeves at ask, at, at ask Mr. Reeves, and you can follow me at at the Mr. Ford. The MR4 and the letter D. And you can follow us on our website at www.askmrreeves.com slash get schooled. Joel, tell our listeners about the next episode. You have been wanting to talk about this since we started this podcast. I think this was probably your first original idea when we started making a list of topics. Um, it's a topic that we talk about with students and parents constantly. And, you know, we're recording this on January 1st. So when we go back to work um, in the high schools, it's going to be scheduling season. Um, and so what better topic for us to discuss than the debate between rigorous classes and GPA? Do I take harder classes that could lower my GPA or do I take easier classes that maintain a higher GPA? And what do colleges think? Um, and what about uh, programs and scholarships that are based on GPA or holistic ones? 
it seems like it's an easy topic, uh, but trust us, there are plenty of things to consider with this one. Um, I think it's going to be a good topic. Mr. Reeves, I think you're going to be excited about it. I am very excited about this. I don't know why we haven't done it yet, but, you know, we're getting to it. We're getting to it. So uh, thanks, everyone, for listening, and we'll see you next time on Get Schooled by Reeves and Ford. like a crime watch reunion we don't mess up <laughs> not you two no. <laughs> no we accept our stupidity <laughs> the views expressed by the hosts of the get schooled by reason for podcast are their own and are not necessarily representative of any groups or schools to which they belong